Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose Podcast. Failure. How do you feel when you hear that word? It's kind of heavy, isn't it? It's definitely not a happy, bubbly word. I have noticed that the number one thing that stops people in their tracks from pursuing the homesteading lifestyle that they really want to be a part of is the fear of failure. It is rampant, it is common, and odds are you have dealt with it at some point in your life, if not right now. Today's episode, we are going to dive deep into the depths of failure. I'm going to tell you how I have learned to kind of get cozy with it over the years, and I'll give you a list of our biggest homestead failures because sometimes it helps to be able to learn from other people's mistakes, and I'm determined to banish this fear of failure once and for all. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, this is the place for you. This episode is brought to you by Layman's Hardware, my number one all-time favorite store for all things homesteading and old-fashioned living. More than ever, I want to be supporting small businesses right now, and Layman's is a shining example of that. Not only do they carry everything from gardening supplies to kitchen equipment to all sorts of really cool off-grid appliances, They are family owned and operated, and I completely fell in love with their mission when I visited their store in the tiny town of Kidron, Ohio last summer. For a limited time only, if you use the coupon code JILLMAY, you can save 10% on all of their baking supplies, which yes, that includes their heritage stoneware bowls. You know, the ones with the blue stripe that you've seen in my YouTube videos. Yep, those are included too. So head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash layman's, L-E-H-M-A-N-S, and use the code Jill May. Now on to our episode. A little bit of backstory on this one. I ran a challenge on Facebook um, last week. It was five days. It was free. There was 13,000 people who participated. It was fantastic. We did little tasks each day. Folks worked on expanding their gardens and cleaning out their pantry. And it was really, really positive. And one of my favorite parts of the challenge was I got to talk to folks every day, a couple times a day, actually, on a Facebook Live video. So people would send in their questions and we'd chat about it. Super fun. And one of the questions that came up a lot, especially when I asked things like, what's your roadblock in homesteading right now? Or what's stopping you or frustrating you? And I saw this common vein occur over and over. And it was people saying, I'm afraid to fail. I don't know where to start because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. What if I do it wrong? And whenever I hear that, um, I perk up because I actually really like talking about failure. Is that weird? Um, it's something I have learned to deal with over the years. And I've, I've, I think I've become a lot more friendly with it than I used to be. So I'm hoping that some of the tidbits I'll share in today's episode will give you some hope and help you feel like you can push through this fear of failure. Because let me tell you this, friend, if you can learn how to deal with that, you are going to be un 
unstoppable, not only in your homestead efforts, but really in anything you want to try or learn or do. So this is good stuff. Um, the first thing I want you to know is that fear of, fear, too many Fs, fear of failure is not uncommon. It's really, really common in humans. But even though it's common, it's also extremely crippling, right? Um, I think part of the reason that this topic interests me so much is because really, since I've been 18 years old, I have pushed myself to get a little bit uncomfortable. And it's funny because that has come alongside of a perfectionistic nature. So it's definitely those two pieces of myself have been, have been at odds for a very long time. But if you've listened to the first episode of this podcast way back, number one, I told you the story of how when I was 18, I moved 1,200 miles away to Wyoming to ride horses at a community college in their equine program. And really one of the reasons I did that is even then when I was young and really immature, I knew I didn't want to have regrets. And I remember as a teenager, I there was a lot of people in my life who were, you know, have been through more of life, 50s, 60s, 70s. And I would see them regretfully talking about all the things they didn't do with their life. Now, side note, if you are in the 50, 60, 70 year old age range, and you are listening to this podcast today, please know that if there's something you want to do, you can still go do it. And I say that because there are so many people in my audience in the 50, 60, 70 year old age range who are still homesteading or starting a homestead or getting a milk cow or putting in a garden. So I kind of am of the opinion that it's never too late to do your thing and chase those dreams. Um, so that's a whole other episode in and of itself. But part of my view on this idea of going, playing, or excuse me, playing big and playing full out is that I knew even as an 18 year old, I didn't want to get, you know, later on in life and be like, man, I wish I would have just done X, Y, Z. And so for me, I didn't want to get to be older and say, I wish I would have pursued horses because that was my passion since I was a kid. So that's what I did. Right. And that's, even though I'm not doing horses in that exact realm today, like I'm not doing them professionally. I'm so glad I did that because it started me off on this path of, um, being a little more adventurous with my life. But, um, in order to do those things, you have to be willing to mess up. And like I mentioned, I'm a, a recovering perfectionist. So even though I was maybe brave enough to move to Wyoming and do some crazy things like that, it's been a struggle for me to be willing to fail and be willing to put myself into situations where I knew failure was probably inevitable. So I've come to look at failure as a friend, I guess. And I've learned through lots of attempts and mistakes and mess ups that, you know, obviously failure does not feel good at the beginning. When it happens, it feels like crap. <laughs> it's failure after all. But if we can reframe it, failure is a sign that we're trying. Failure means that you're doing something. Failure means that you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And we all know that growth only happens inside your comfort zone, right? And when I look at the areas of my life where I never experienced failure, it's usually because I'm playing it kind of safe. Um, one example that always comes to mind, it's not necessarily related to homesteading. It's kind of back on the horse topic. Um, I rode professionally for a while and then I took a break to build my businesses and have children. And so I didn't ride 
as much. Didn't ride my horses as much. I still had them, but they were just out in the pasture. And it was fine. I'd go ride them and I'd, I'd feel good about myself and we'd have a little trail ride and call it good. But there was something inside of me that knew that I wanted to do more. And whenever I would see my friends online, um, acquaintances who would be riding their horses and like more and showing horses and doing more with horses, it always like bothered me. And at first I'm like, am I jealous of that? Well, I don't know. And I kind of examined those feelings and I thought, I'm jealous of that because I'm not doing it and I know I should be doing it. So I thought, well, I'm going to change that. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to ride more. I'm going to get a different horse. I'm going to go learn how to show. So that was exciting. But then immediately after I had that light bulb moment that I could do those things, I wasn't stuck in my situation. This wave of fear hit me because holy moly, that was out of my comfort zone. I had never shown in the discipline I wanted to show in. I didn't have the horse I needed yet. I didn't know who would teach me or help me in that process. And I initially was just almost felt debilitated by this idea that if I do this, I'm going to fail and it's scary and maybe I should just skip it. Now, thankfully I didn't um, because I knew if I did just ignore those feelings of what I was feeling pulled towards, it would eat me alive. So I ended up having a friend. She helped me find a horse. She coached me through some things. And I got to schedule my first horse show and I hadn't shown in many years and I was showing in a new discipline and I was showing this horse I just bought with people I didn't know. And it was scary. And I went to that first show. I wanted to puke the entire time. I had a stomach ache. I couldn't eat. I was nervous. I was shaking. I was self-conscious. Um, I went into the arena. I memorized this pattern. We had to write a pattern. I memorized it ad nauseum. Like I could... I could still remember the pattern to this day. I knew it so well. I went into the arena and I completely blew it. I completely blew it. I royally messed it up. Like I remember riding out of the arena and my dear friend was looking at me like, oh, Jill, what just happened to you? It was rough, man. It was embarrassing. Um, it was a failure, but it was a stepping stone. And I kept going, right? I I did it again. The next time I still messed it up, not quite as royally. Um, but I, I just kept on trucking and fast forward today. That was only like three years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Fast forward to today. My comfort level is so much different at the shows. Um, I've won buckles. I have friends. I understand patterns. I can help other people with their patterns. Now. Um, I just bought a three-year-old horse that I'm going to train into this world. So it's completely different. And I am experiencing so much joy I love it. I love it, love it, love it. It lights me up. It keeps me motivated. But I would have never been able to get to this spot now where I'm living my best life with the horse shows if I hadn't gone through the experience of completely embarrassing myself first, right? So those sort of experiences over and over again have been the things that have taught me that sting of failure. It is not pleasant at the beginning, but it means you're on track, to getting to where you want to be, right? So if you're feeling that feeling, you know you want a homestead, you're seeing other people, and, and you, you know what I mean by homestead, whatever it is, cooking from scratch more in your suburban house or putting uh, edible plants in your front yard. You don't have to be buying land and going crazy necessarily, but whatever you feel like you want to do, whatever you see people doing on your Facebook feed and you're like, man, I wanna do that, listen to that. And don't let that fear of failure stop you because I think you'll regret that the rest of your life if you always wonder, what if, 
I hadn't been afraid. So failure is a stepping stone. Failure means you're trying. So because I want to normalize messing up, because I do believe it is a good thing, I wanted to, just for fun, give you my list of some of my biggest homestead failures. Because I want you to know that you can mess up, you can learn, and you can keep going. So some of these you've heard before, some of them are new. They all still make me cringe to talk about it. But it's important that we almost, I I like to say, celebrate failure. Um, Not for the sake of failure itself, but for the sake of knowing that failure means we are stepping out, we are doing the thing, and we're going to get better. So without further ado, here are Jill's sixth Six biggest homestead failures to date. Uh, Number one, this one is a classic. I'm sure you've probably heard about it before if you followed me for any length of time. The time I poisoned my garden with mulch. It happened. It was epic. Long story short, I was using Ruth Stout's deep mulch method. Things were going splendidly until I got a bale of hay that had been sprayed with an herbicide unbeknownst to me. I layered that hay all over the garden like I did every year and everything died. Well, not died, died. They just curled up and looked gnarly and didn't produce fruit. So yeah, which is exactly what that herbicide was meant to do. It doesn't actually kill the plants. It just hurts them from reproducing. So that was rough. There was a lot of tears shed over that whole mulch incident. But once I worked through that sting of failure, that is what prompted us, prompted us to build our raised beds, which you may have seen pictures of. They're beautiful. They're fun. They're amazing. I love them. It transformed how I garden. So that was a stepping stone to something better. But that year where I realized what I had done, um, it was rough, man. Okay, number two. This was one that happened last week. Um, <laughs> also in the gardening space, this one. Ugh. Uh, I planted a whole bunch of tomato seedlings. This year, I always do. Their paste tomatoes are what I use to grow the tomatoes for my sauce that I can for the whole year. I started, I probably had close to 75 to 100 tomato seedlings in the basement. I started them in February. February, that's a long time ago. I nurtured them. I watered them every single day. I had lights on them. I babied them. And last week, I brought them up to start hardening them off which means I just um, put them out on the deck in the day and I bring them in at night when it gets cooler, right? And if it gets stormy or whatever, I bring them in. So they just start to get toughened up and they're preparing for life in the garden once the weather warms up in June. So I had them out on the deck one day, all the flats of seedlings. And last week was insane. It was really busy. And so I was doing that challenge on Facebook. So I was really preoccupied and I knew it was cool outside. I had been outside to walk around and do some stuff and I had to put on my coat, but it was not below freezing. Like it was in the forties. Uh, there was a wind, it was chilly, but I, I wasn't concerned about the seedlings cause they can handle a little bit on the lower temps as long as it doesn't freeze. Like they have to start getting used to, um, a different climate, not just being in my safe little basement. So I didn't really think anything of it. Um, they were on the deck. I brought them in that night. It was fine. Until it wasn't. It was not fine because I've never had this happen. Um, the cold, even though it wasn't freezing, like it was not below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it zapped them. It got them. Like they, they 
died. I lost 50% of my tomato seedlings. Just like nauseating. It made me so mad because I was like, I didn't let them freeze and they still died. Um, so not my best moment. And I'm kicking myself because obviously I wish I would have thought to maybe check them, but I didn't know. It wasn't snowing. It wasn't frost. So maybe that's a learning experience for you. You can learn from my mistake. Don't put your tomato seedlings out even on a cool day because they will not survive. Um, okay. Number three, oh, the baby goats. That was back in episode. Oh, it was not that long ago. I told you about the baby goats. So if you want to hear that whole story, it's rough. You can go listen to it there. That was a definite failure moment. Still kicking myself. It still makes me upset. Um, Mason and I still talk about it, but it was, it's going to be a learning experience that helps us be better next year, right? We lost some baby goats on a cold night. Um, triplets actually, and it was my daughter's goats. It was not a good day, but it's something that has, is going to stick with her. I'm pretty sure for the rest of her life and it will continue to stick with me. And it's not a fun failure. It's not, um, a failure that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, but it's a learning experience, right? And it means that we are going to get better for next year. Um, okay. Number four, this one happens back at the beginning of our homestead, after we bought our property, we went gangbusters on building fence because we just wanted to build fence. And so we built some fence lines along the back of our house, kind of haphazardly, um, just put them up. And then like the next year realized that we needed more room because we wanted to put in a tree row. Like we had zero forethought. We just like started putting stuff out. And sometimes when people go, can you tell me how you laid out your homestead? Like, how did you plan for it? And I'm like, Hmm, there was not a lot of planning involved. It was very haphazard and impulsive. <laughs> so don't, don't do what I do on there. Do what I say. Right? Does that make sense? Do what I say, not what I do. Anyway, you know what I meant? Um, we had to move those fence lines. We actually moved them twice, two more times, because we kept deciding we needed more room. It's not fun to rebuild fence. I do not recommend that. So that was definitely a failure of not planning properly. And we paid for that in a lot of sweat and barbed wire pokes as we put the fence up, roll the fence down, put the fence up, roll the fence down. So it was so much fun. Number five, this is kind of funny because this actually happened uh, not that long ago. Again, some of these are very recent and it thankfully was not irreversible damage. It was just dumb, <laughs> just dumb. Um, we had decided we're putting in a greenhouse this year. You've heard me talk about that. And we were going to put the, put it in the spot next to our garden where we have these fuel tanks. And we've decided that would be the best place to put the greenhouse. And so the conundrum was where do the fuel tanks go? Because they they have to be out of the wind so they don't tip over and they're not going to get covered by snow drifts. So we, we were like walked around the yard for three days trying to figure out where to put these stinking fuel tanks. So we finally got, had this light bulb moment, got creative and Christian's like, ooh, we have this stretch of windbreak, which is just this wooden fence with really tall slats, like vertical slats all the way down this one part of our uh, animal fence. Christian's like, what if I take out a small section of this windbreak and I make this little box, right? So you have this like three-sided box. And so it's like windbreak. And then you have a little doot, doot, doot. And you can have this little cubby hole where you put the fuel tanks in. 
Um, and that's where we can put them. They'll be protected from the wind. Then it won't get in the way of our driving down by the garden. And so we're like, cool, awesome. So he did. He spent a day. He pulled out the fence posts. He put new ones in. He fixed all the boards. He poured concrete so the posts wouldn't fall over. And then like two days later, we decided not to put the greenhouse in the space where the fuel tanks were. We decided to build a bigger greenhouse and put it in the backyard. So basically all the work we did of building the cubby hole in the windbreak was completely a waste of time. And we ended up not even putting the fuel tanks there. We left the fuel tanks where they are. And we decided that now we have a hole in the windbreak for absolutely no reason. So that was a great one. And again, lack of planning. Although in my defense, I'm proud of us for taking the action, right? Of starting the project and then Maybe it didn't pay off great this time, but a lot of the times taking that action step first is a good thing to do. So I'm not really beating myself up too hard on this one. I think it's more amusing than anything else. And actually it, we turned lemons into lemonade because that cubby hole, we now have, we put it like our grass clippings there. Cause I use grass clippings as mulch in the garden. So now it's a nice little spot for the grass clippings. So it worked out, but it was definitely some wasted effort. Um, okay, number six, this is one that I I uh, think of every year when the weeds start to come up in my garden. Back in the early days, I didn't understand the idea of composting and how heat from compost kills weed seeds. That is an important thing to understand if you are composting things. And so I put a bunch of horse manure on our garden and in our horse manure, we always have a good amount of hay mixed in because they waste the hay. We just scoop it up and we toss it in the pile. And so I put that on the garden one fall without letting it really break down because I figured, hey, we're not, you know, going to be planting till spring and the garden, it can just sit over the winter and it'll be fine. Now, generally, that's not a horrible thing. The problem is when you put a bunch of um, uncomposted weed seeds on your garden, not desirable outcomes. So I basically that year seeded my garden with a lawn. (laughs) It was epic. I think there still might be a picture of it on the blog. It's literally a lawn with some vegetable plants growing through it. It was a beast to weed. In fact, I think that year I just gave up and I'm like, I can't do this anymore because it's literally like trying to weed a lawn. Uh, Anyway, so don't do that one. But that was definitely a failure. And I still think when we use some of that soil, to fill her raised beds. I think I'm still paying for that sin because there's still some, a couple beds, not all of them. There's a couple beds where the grass is pretty darn thick. So yeah. Anyway, guess what? The underlying theme with all of these failures I just told you about is that I survived all of them. I'm still here. My homestead is still running. And guess what? I am still considered a successful homesteader, even though I've messed things up so many times in so many ways. So all that to say, failure is not a death sentence. And perfectionism, which is something we sometimes hide behind a little bit, like I used to do that. Perfectionist, I'm a perfectionist. It's just fear with a fancy name, right? So my encouragement for you today is to start before you're ready. Maybe not in the case of the fuel tank um, incidents, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Start messy. Remember, remember that the first draft, whether it's a paper you're writing or a book you're authoring or a project you're working on, the first draft 
should be crappy. And if your first draft is perfect, number one, that doesn't even exist. But if you're trying to make your first draft perfect, you are not allowing your creative process to flow. You aren't. You're self-editing so much, you're going to paralyze and cripple yourself. So allow your first iteration to be a disaster, and then you just improve on it from there. And remember, this is one of my favorite sayings, action cures fear. So if you're feeling that fear of failure, that paralysis by analysis, the best thing you can do is take the first step put the foot in front of the other and just start doing the thing, even in a small way. And you will be shocked at how it shifts your perspective. So my question for you is what are you holding back on today? What is that thing that has been the fire in your belly that you have been just, Oh, I can't do it because I am afraid that I will mess it up. I will fail. People will laugh at me. I will embarrass myself. What is that thing? What is that thing you can commit to taking that first step on? You never know the amazing things just on the other side of fear. So I'm rooting for you and I am happy to be your failure partner. So you got this, my friend. So if you are definitely ready to do this homesteading thing, but you're not quite sure where to start, well, I have something that might help. I have an entire library of resources I put together for homesteaders just like you, and you can get complimentary access over at theprairiehomestead.com slash grow. And that's it for today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so all the episodes show up right away in your podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. We'll chat more on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.